What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode two of the Catcher's Corner. Uh, that music you heard at the beginning again was by Brooklyn hip hop artist Dan Dillinger. Uh, I'm Eric Samolsky, along with uh, Sammy Ackley. Sammy, how you doing? Yeah, what up? What's going on? Sammy's riding high off the Jets signing Corey Davis. Corey Davis, baby, let's go. Number one wide out, let's go. I'm happy. The Jets need a the Jets needed a moment to celebrate right now. Yo, 27 mil guaranteed, 37 and a half for three years. Yo, I'm in. Let's go. Now they just need a quarterback. Just need to find- <laughs> and, <laughs> and a pass rusher and offensive line and quarterback help and God knows what else. Everything else. <laughs> All right, Sammy. So uh so we're gonna we're gonna talk relief pitchers today. Um oh, so that's always God. fun because the bullpens yeah. are a mess. Uh but before yeah. we do that, uh we're gonna get into some news and notes. Uh, so most of this stuff's from this week. Uh, this first one, though, comes a little bit before that. Um, David Price possibly, maybe, might go to the bullpen, but it's the Dodgers, so we're not sure. Uh, but he is quoted as saying, if it happens, I'm willing to do whatever you guys need me to do. But I told them, whatever they need me to do, whatever makes the 2021 Dodgers better, I'm all for it. Uh, so... Sammy, why, why would you not want to pitch less and make the same amount of money? Why, why not? Save your arm. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they're building him up after missing. He sat out last year due to COVID uh, concerns. It was David Price, Dustin May, Tony Gonsolin fighting for one spot. Uh, if Price starts the year out in the bullpen, does that make you more excited about any of these guys or are you just avoiding the headache altogether? I'm going to pass what like what are they gonna do are they gonna like some spots starts uh six man would take like what are they doing with him like i have no idea so i'm, I'm avoiding that all the way. I, I mean i wasn't very high on price to begin with this just like furthermore you know pushes me away from that yeah i hear you i was i was in on price because the price was low early on no no pun intended that just slipped out um but now you know if he's not locked into the rotation um, you know, maybe he becomes interesting as a multi-inning reliever. Uh, but, you know, in most leagues, I'm not drafting that. If I'm in a deep league, a 15-team league, or a draft and hold league, sure, I'll take a flyer. But, you right. know, the, the guy I am excited about, um, I still don't know how high I'm drafting him. Uh, but I like Tony Gonsolin. I think he was really good last year. Um, you know, he had a 2.31 ERA across uh, nine games and eight starts for the Dodgers. Um he had a 26.1 strikeout rate and only a 4% walk rate. Uh, I'm into it, but I don't know how high I can take him because, you know, I don't trust that the Dodgers are going to give him consistent starts. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm the same way, dude. Like, I, I try to avoid any kind of, like, it's kind of like fantasy football and just, like, you know, running back committees. Like, I hate those kind of things because it's just too much. I'm avoiding headaches. Yeah, I think you know if you're if you are the type of player that loads up on starting pitching early, so you feel like you got locked in three, four yeah. top tier starters. Sure, yeah. roll the dice. I love the upside of Gonsolin, um, but I wouldn't count on count on it early on for consistent production. Um, yeah. Which brings me to the next piece of news because Mike Fires, who the uh, Athletics resigned this year. 
had an MRI on Sunday, and the results showed inflammation in the joint. Uh, so the team is going to see how he responds to treatment early this week. Uh, they say it typically takes a couple of days to calm down, and then they will proceed accordingly, which is just the type of specific news that every fantasy owner wants. I don't like, think people were joint, drafting what, Mike Flyers. What joint are they talking about? Like, Can yeah. they even tell us what joint it is? Like, geez. Um, they probably can had I looked at the specific joint, and I will, I will own up to that. Um, <laughs> okay. But also, to be fair, I wasn't drafting Mike Flyers to begin with. Um, but what is interesting to most fantasy players is that, according to Roster Resource, this slots AJ Puck into the rotation um, until they proceed accordingly with Mike Fires and decide right. he's ready. So are you interested in AJ Puck? Nope. You know what? Funny story. Like the only reason why I, he was ever on my radar. Remember back in the day, the real world on MTV? Yeah, Puck. Yeah. That's it. I was <laughs> like, whoa. All right. That's the beauty of not playing in deep keeper leagues, right? Is right. that, you know, there are guys who study all the prospects, right? Um, you, for the most part, are not playing in huge dynasty leagues and keeper leagues, so you only need to really know about guys when they get close to major right. leagues. Right. Um, so, listen, I mean, Puck threw over 100 innings in 2017 and then nowhere close since then, battled constant right. injuries. He's thrown 14 innings total. Uh, sorry, uh, 35 innings in uh, 2019. Um, mm -hmm. He threw 11 in the major leagues. Good results, 318 ERA. Um, right. He had, even with a 321 Babib, uh, he had a 27.7 strikeout percentage in that time. But obviously, it's a short sample size. So and he didn't, you know, he didn't he throw any he didn't throw dice. he didn't throw any innings last year in the major leagues, right? But Still I still coming I know off who, injury. I, I want to make it clear, like I know who he is, right? But like the thing with like there's certain like franchises that just do like funky things with their minor leaguers, right? Like Oakland's one of those teams that just kind of cycle guys in and out with no, no definitive roles. Like they did that to Franklin Barreto. Like they just brought him up, didn't play him a couple games here and there, and then they send him back down. And I feel like they do the same thing with some of the guys on their rotation outside of the, like the mainstays, like they'll cycle guys in and out. And that's why you see guys like Puck who don't really get a shot, but are there, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, again, for, for most people that'll take a, you know, that will be dependent on your, the size of your league and whether you take that right. chance or not. Uh, do I right. think AJ Puck sticks in the rotation long-term? No. Um, at least, I mean, I always think that he, I have always kind of said that I think he settles in as a bullpen arm. Um, you know, everybody wants to say, oh, he's a Josh Hader type. Let's, let's not, you know, every lefty who's who's good and was a starter and now is going to be a bull, uh, you know, bullpen pitcher cannot be Josh Hader. And look, here's the deal. The A's open the season, you know, I'm pulling up the, the schedule right now. Um, the A's open the season with the Astros and the Dodgers and then the Astros again. So let's say AJ Puck starts in the rotation. Are you going to play him against the Astros or the Dodgers? Probably not. No. So you're drafting him to sit him on your bench, hoping that he does well enough against one of the top two or, you know, one of the two yeah. best teams in the league so that they keep him in the rotation when Mike fires is healthy. Stay away. Yeah. I just don't, I don't see that. I think if you, I think 
if you are in a super deep league where he as a multi-inning reliever would also help you, sure, right. take a shot on him at the end right. of a draft, you know, and, and maybe worst case scenario, he becomes, you know, this year's like Freddie Peralta. Right. Um, but I, I wouldn't expect him to stay in the rotation for all year long. That's not what yeah, I'm, that's not no, my expectation. Definitely just a fill in at this point. Um, Last piece of news before we dive into uh, relief pitcher stuff. Uh, Sonny Gray is going to start the year on the IL with a mid-back injury. As of right now, they claim that he's only going to miss one start. Um, but as you and I both know, as people in their mid-30s, um, no back bueno. injuries. Not, no bueno. Not no um, bueno. So, so does this change? Listen, as of right now, just one game missed. Does it change – your evaluation of Sonny Gray, where you would want to draft him, or if you like him, you like him, or you you know the same. I, I think it definitely depends on how this progresses. Like it depends on when your draft is here that you really have to monitor what's happening physically. I think the best way, you know, obviously we're all plugged into the fantasy baseball sites and you know pundits, but you're really going to get more information from the local reporters there, uh, whether you follow them on Twitter. Or you're following, you know, lo- local news reports. Like you, this is like a situation where, yeah, they're saying one start, but they don't know either, right? Like they have no right. idea. Tomorrow it can get progressively worse. Tomorrow, where now this becomes a multi-week into the season type of thing, and you know, depending on when your draft is, you got to make a call. I typically would shy away from guys like this. Maybe not shy away entirely but definitely where I'm slotting them in terms of my rankings and where I'm taking them is definitely not what their original price was at. So let's, so let's give names right now over the last two weeks prior to the news of the injury, Sonny Gray was going 75th overall. Um, That's three picks ahead of Jose Barrios. That's five picks ahead of um, Kyle Hendricks. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, 15 picks ahead of another injured pitcher in Denelson Lomet. Um, are you more inch? And then you have Jesus Lazardo and Trevor Paddock. Or Jesus, I saw Trevor Rosenthal in the ADP and said Trevor Paddock. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Lazardo and Chris Paddock um, at 98 and 99 in the ADP. So are you dropping Sonny Gray below just Kyle Hendricks and Barrios? Are you dropping him below Lizardo and Paddock? Or do you still take him in front of all those guys? So the Paddock-Lizardo thing is interesting because those guys, the ceilings on those guys is tremendously high for me. But you can't you can't really shy away from the actual production that Sonny Gray's given you. Um, I would put him somewhere in between. Put him ahead of Paddock and Lazardo, even though they have the ceilings, I typically like the guy that like to go with guys that have had you know um, a solid history and a baseline for production. Um, but you know the guys like Barrios who don't get hurt and actually you know do give you innings, even though it may not be great, they may be kind of like you know average production. Um, you know. I would slide him somewhere in between the Luzardos and, uh, you know, Paddocks and the Berrios. And who was the other guy that you mentioned? Uh, Kyle Hendricks. My boy, Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks, the professor. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd probably put him somewhere in between th- those two groupings. 
And and that's fair. And that's that's honestly where I have him in my own rankings before right. we start. I mean, I'm big. Right. Uh, you know, we know that I'm a big Kyle Hendricks supporter, but I, I think yeah. Barrios is underrated too. I had him ahead of Gray before the back injury. Yeah. Um. So you know, I'm still slotting him there. I do like Chris Paddock a lot, and I love that he basically has been doing a lot of interviews suggesting that. He knows that the fastball was a problem for him and has been working yeah. all offseason and trying to change the spin rate of his fastball and make it better. And so far the results in spring have been relatively good. So I do I'm, I do like I do like those two though, Luzardo and Paddock, but we'll save that for you know, yeah. maybe another podcast. We can. We can cover them later. Um, but another Sexy reason why we beasts. want to cover the Reds, which will will transition into one of the topics we're talking about. Another announcement that the Reds made is that um, for spring training only as of right now they are going to be starting eugenio suarez at shortstop um and they're going to play moustakis at third base um great and many people are speculating that it opens up second base for jonathan india my question to you let's get into dealing with this as a catcher if you are catching and you know that the infield defense is relatively weak behind the pitcher on the mound. Does that impact the way you call a game? I'm going to be honest. Like, I think at this level, right, you're not going to take away, uh, you know, a piece of some uh, of a pitcher's arsenal, right? If you're a ground ball pitcher, you're not going to stop throwing a sinker uh, or, you know, working down in the zone if that's what that pitcher does because you're worried about whether or not someone can feel their position, right? So, I don't think it necessarily changes the way you call a game. Um, I think it affects more so the guy on the mound than it does the catcher behind the plate. Yeah, explain uh, that. I think you know it's similar to when um, when you don't have when a pitcher doesn't have faith in their catcher, right? Like they're going to be more opposed to throwing um, something completely out of the zone and in the dirt on, let's say, an O2 pitch, right? So. They may stick with a fastball on the outside uh, and may miss, right? You know, they, they won't throw those pitches because they're afraid that it's not going to be handled correctly. And they and that could affect um, how a pitcher feels, how comfortable they feel, uh, you know, with certain certain um, alignments or certain, like, you know, uh, pitching sequences. Like, hey, do I want to throw something that I know uh, could be put in play? Um, but it just comes down to like these guys are professionals. They're just they're they're gonna do their job, right? They're gonna make pitches that they have to make, and whether their guy makes plays behind them or not, that's gonna be on them. So, and I agree with you there. I mean, you know, if if I'm a catcher at the major league level, I'm assuming it's not gonna impact the way I call the game unless I've had an issue in that particular game, right? If somebody is struggling, let's say right. you know they move Suarez to short. And he is, he's made two errors. I'm in and at bat. I need a big pitch, right? right. Maybe I, I need to turn two to get out of the inning, something like that. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking, okay, this hitter up right now is a rollover ground ball waiting to happen. He's out in front of everything. Right. So right. I can call the changeup or the curveball or whatever the, you know, the pitches that, that, that induces that ground ball from this particular right. pitcher. In the back of my head, I might be thinking, do I want that pitch going back? Do I, do I want the, that result going to Suarez again or going to whoever the shortstop is again? Realistically, if that's the best pitch in that situation for that pitcher, 
a major league catcher is calling that pitch. Right. But to right. your point, the execution of that pitch may be impacted by the right. defense as well. Right. So yep. I may put down the signal for a two, two changeup. right? Let's get this rollover ground ball. Right. The pitcher who damn sure knows which infielder is just struggling to field the ball behind him is right. going to get the sign and he may, he may shake it off. Right? right. He may think I can execute another pitch right. better. I'm not right. going to throw this pitch to get a ground ball. I'm going to get a right. strikeout because I yep. don't trust him to make the play behind me. Or they're going to throw that pitch, but maybe not throw it with the same amount of confidence that they threw it with earlier in the game. And maybe you don't get as uh, perfectly executed a changeup as you as you did before. And again, yeah. that's that's assuming that errors have already been made. I don't think like in the first inning of a game or second inning right. of a game, yeah. a pitcher is already approaching this game defeated. So like, let's say this. Let's say Suarez is the shortstop for the Reds. Does that right. change the way you approach Cincinnati Reds pitchers in your draft? No. I never I never look at, you know, what's behind these guys. Like, I think all that stuff is nonsense. Like, you know, when we look at uh, where guys hitting, like, you know, who's, in, who's hitting in front of someone, who's hitting behind someone, like, that means nothing. I go with the baseline production, value tied to that production, where I'm getting these guys at. See, that's I'm not going to make my evaluation strictly on de on defense. I think you're right to a certain extent that like, who's hitting in front of that, um, right. who's hitting in front of the guy, or who's playing short behind that pitcher. That's not like the beginning of my evaluation. But if I'm mm -hmm. splitting hairs between the, between guys, and I see somebody has a high ground, a pitcher on the Reds has a high ground ball rate, and the defense behind him is going to be garbage. And let's be serious. We don't really know what Suarez is going to be like at, at short until we see it. But let's assume mm -hmm. it's it's not good, right? right. I right. may look at a guy like, look, Luis Castillo, 2019, 55.2% ground ball rate. Last right. year, 58.4% ground ball rate. So he's getting 60% right. ground balls. Right. So that's a lot. And yeah. If I'm splitting hairs at the top of my rankings between Luis Castillo and a guy like Scherzer or Giolito, you know, or somebody like that, does it factor into my analysis a little bit if I'm between the two? Um, and I've been and I've been big on Luis Castillo. I you know we talked about it last time. I had him sixth right. overall as my starting right. pitching. If his defense is bad behind him, do I go with Scherzer over him, who I have who I have seventh? Or Giolito over him, who I have eighth. Yeah, I'll, I'll consider it. I mean, I need to watch Suarez play defense in spring right. training. I'm not just going to go off of like he made us an error in spring training. Oh my god, he's terrible. I need to look and see the right. actions and see what his range looks like and see all that sort of yeah, stuff. It, and it's just really, yeah, it's just really hard to kind of. I guess this is like a great study, right? Like numbers, like you know, defensive rankings of a team, like if they've dropped in a year, how that affects a pitching staff as a whole. Do the subsequent numbers of rotations kind of correlate to lower defensive rankings? Like how does that, how does that work? Right. Cause I, cause like, I know what you're saying, right? Like obviously you're putting more balls on the ground. If you're putting uh, more than a majority of the percentage of your balls are on the ground, right? Like then that gives them more opportunities to make mistakes, but, then it factors in, right? Like, are those ground balls going to the worst defenders? How many of them are? Like, how many of them are leading to runs? Like, it's just 
I think it's just a small, it's not going to move the needle. I don't think yeah, it's going to change I, anything for you. And I think also, like, let's be serious. If they put Suarez at shortstop and in the first week it's a disaster. Right. He's moving, he's moving back, right? Like, yeah. like this is not, he is not a shortstop. They're trying right. something out. And right. if they try something out and it doesn't work to the detriment of the pitchers, they're right. going to fix it. Right. So does that, it's does not, that mean that Vlad can go back to third base because he lost 40 pounds? I don't know. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> I think they were, I think they played him at third a couple, uh, a couple games in the spring so far, just, you know, for versatility. Um, for sure. Maybe. Going. My boy needs to get going. Um, let's, we're going to move into the, the bulk of the discussion for today. And we'll, you know, we're going to go quickly through it uh, since nobody really wants to talk about uh, relief pitchers for that long. Um, they need to do that with love. I do. And I do love, you know, specking on closers. It's just, uh, it's, it's tough. Um, yeah, no. So in general, yeah. Sammy, what is your relief pitcher strategy? Do you like, investing in sure things you like waiting and throwing a bunch of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks dude it's it's i'm gonna tell you man like i remember when i first started doing fantasy and like there were like the roles were defined now we were talking about the show right like we've gone the bullpen has gone into the same format or the same philosophy as basketball has gone it's become positionless Anyone can throw at any point, whatever the, the roles can be redefined. You know, in the past, it was like I wanted to get two solid things, but now there's not that, there's not enough of them to get two. Um, so, yeah, I definitely like to end up with one solid closer. Uh, and I guess then my philosophy is really trying to find someone who may not have the job but is giving me some kind of production somewhere, whether it be in the ratios or whether it be in the strikeout department. Like that's what, that's how it led me, led me to get Josh Hader, like in our keeper league. Like I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily looking, he wasn't a closer at that point, but he, uh, I picked him up when he was in the bullpen in his year. And I thought that he was going to be a starter and he ended up turning into a reliever and we didn't know what he was at that point. But like I'm like, dude, this guy's K rate is insane. At the very least, he's going to give me production in the strikeout department, and now he's he's giving me like 150 strikeouts a year. I mean, the equivalent of a freaking starter. Right. It's so crazy. like, so like I mean, that's now where my philosophy is. Is like, if I can't find a guy that's going to impact the saves saves category, I'm definitely looking for someone that's going to impact. Some pitching category, like most of these guys, like Devin Williams, who like I'm I'm taking a role now. I'm segueing into the <laughs> guys, uh, <laughs> guy like Devin Williams, who is striking out guys at a fifty percent clip, right? Like his K rate is almost fifty percent. It's like forty nine percent. Like, dude, I'm taking a guy like that, even if he's not getting saves, because. He's going to impact the categories. You know, he's also impacting the ratios, right? He's also, you know, doing helping you in ERA and WHIP because he, he just he doesn't give up anything. Um, but I take him regardless of what his role is, you know. And if his ADP is at what would you say one seventy three? What does that put him like fifteenth round somewhere? Yeah, depending on your league type, dude. This is how you know you and I are terrible at math. Right. Uh, I mean, a, like in a twelve in a twelve team league, it puts him in the fifteenth round. 
Well, I was right. I was. I said no. 15. You were. You you nailed it. You I was nailed a it. And in the and in a, baby? and in a fifteen team league, it puts him in the twelfth round. I mean, he can literally like if you look at the numbers, he can legit. He can, so like, dude, he had what fifty three Ks in twenty seven innings projected for ninety four strikeouts. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? That's insane. Like, of course I'm taking him. Like in the fifteen round, yeah, he makes sense there. If I can get him later, that'd be great. But like, I have no problem taking him there. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's he did have a little bit of a shoulder thing. I think he's making his debut next week. Um, and you know, the Josh. Yeah, he, and he 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 pitched not in a he pitched in like the alternate. Not the I keep calling it the alternate side. He pitched in a B game, right? So he pitched in spring, right. not televised. You know, in a B right. game, and apparently apparently looked good. Yeah, I mean. I would I, no hesitation there, especially when you add in the Josh Hader rumors about possible trade. So, yes, and the strikeout rate is real. That changeup is ridiculous. Uh, it's one of the best changeups in the league. He throws ninety-eight miles an hour. Yes, I'm believing in jo- in Devin Williams, uh, and yeah, he will definitely be on my squad if I can get him. Yeah, and I think you know, listen. I don't think the strikeout rate is sustainable, but that's not to say that he won't have a high strikeout rate, but like right. we all know that 53% K rate is crazy. It's insane. But it's insane. But let's also be let's also be clear, right? When he was in double A in 2019, he had a 35% K rate. Right. It's, I know that he's only pitched 27 innings. Um, and people are like, why are we locking him in at 27 innings? It's not like he was terrible. And then came up to the major leagues and was dominant for 27 innings. He was a dominant relief pitcher at Double A across 53 innings um, in 2019. He threw a little bit in Triple A in 2019, but then he came up to the majors uh, in 2019 as well, and he was solid. I mean, he was solid his first exposure. He had a 3.95 ERA. Um, he had a 20 point. He had basically a 21% K rate. So those are good numbers for a rookie. And that was, you know, with a 372 Babbitt. Right. And, you know, right. that suggested not maybe the level that he reached last year, but that he's a legitimate prospect. No, um, I mean. And I, I, I remember mean, reading about him, not in the sense of like, I knew he was going to be this good, but I remember reading about him for Dynasty Leagues and reading that there were people that, who are smarter than me about prospects who said this guy could be a good major league relief pitcher so him coming up and being a good major league relief pitcher didn't surprise a lot of prospect guys right um now i don't know obviously you're not getting a 0.33 era and a 50 percent k rate i was just i was just about to say that yeah you can get an era in the mid twos you know with a k rate um over 30 percent you know something like around 12 13 k per nine Right. I mean, all of the projections have him somewhere. They have him a tick higher in the mid twos. They have him like, they got him like, like, I think uh, ATC has him at 2.87, but Zips has him at 3.49. Uh, the Bat has him at 3.08. Steamer has him at 3.37. Uh, but they all have him at a K, K9 over 12, right? Yeah. Like 12. Like, I mean, he was at 17.7 last year. And last year, like, you can't extrapolate that that's going to continue, right? Whatever some whatever he did at, at that level, but like even the drop off is still impactful over 162 games. 
Now, I, and I think you're right. And I think this is the type of arm that we are starting to roster more regularly that we weren't yes. doing before. Now, yeah. would I would I take him at 173? I think that depends. I right. don't necessarily think that that's inflated value, but I think it depends on if I need saves or not. Now, yeah. me personally, I'm not winding up with a whole bunch of Devin Williams shares. And that's not because I don't like him. It's because, like you, I like to take one locked-in closer early, right. and then I I tend to wait um, right. and grab some darts later. You know, Ariel Cohen said something on a podcast recently that that I as a strategy that I had been trying out before, and it you know hearing him say it also it crystallized why it makes so much sense, which is like when you come out of a draft, if you fill up your bench instead of with streaming pitchers that you think you might you know, start for the, you know, the first couple games and then maybe throw on your bench. You don't really know if they're good or not. Why not fill your bench up with guys who might close, who are right. in the closer competition? And if right. after the first week of the season, they're not closing or they come in right. in the sixth inning or the seventh inning, you know, when those bullpen roles are more defined and they're not even in the late innings, then you're like, yeah. okay, I dropped that guy. I now have seen a start or two of some of right. these streaming pitchers. And now I can pick up a guy who I'm a little more confident is good, but right. maybe I wind up with four closers on my roster and then damn, yeah. then I'm loaded on saves. I can right. pocket those saves early. Maybe I can make some moves, whatever. Right. So for me, I'm okay with Devin Williams at 173 because of what he gets you. You know, he's right around Taylor Rogers. who's going at 178. I think Taylor Rogers is good. I think he'll probably get a little bit more saves. I think that, you know, yeah. Devin Williams has a higher uh, K upside and may help your ratios a little more. But like right. where I'm where I'm at right now is I'm taking Jordan Hicks at 177 because I think he's the closer in St. Louis. Right? Or maybe I'm taking guys like, you know, CJ Crone is going 187 right now. Um, Shohei Otani, depending on the league you're in, if you're going to get him at pitcher utility, is going, you know, 171. Um, my boy Tyler Molly, who I like, is 167. So I I just have found myself going in different directions. And that's a roster right. building thing. That's not a, I don't like Devin Williams thing. What you're saying is just basically load up on the guys in committees that if somebody gets hurt or falters could take over and you're getting ahead of the waiver wire, right? Instead of yeah. traveling it out on the wire. Yeah, because listen, we've all tried to spec saves before and it's brutal. I mean, you're, you know, you're looking at the, you know, you're on Twitter all the time. You're looking at roles. You're looking at who's in and what innings. You're looking at results. You're trying to get ahead of the curve because if somebody, the, the worst are when somebody grabs that save on like Sunday, 7 p.m. and is like, oh, that guy's the new closer. And then everybody in your league ups there on fab bit. Yep. And then oh, all yeah. of a sudden you jump up you know, a bid Dude. that was $7 and now you're paying $47 and then the guy gets, right. and the guy gets no, no more. Sales. Right. Oh my so, God. Oh, so, so this awful. strategy I, I like, and since we're talking about it, one of the guys who I'm grabbing late in drafts is Chris Martin of the Braves. Um, and the reason I'm doing that is because everybody assumes Will Smith is the closer and Will Smith will close some games. I'm not saying he's not. But everybody assumed that Will Smith was going to be the closer last year when they got him from San Francisco. And then boring old Mark Melanson was the closer. So I think that the Braves have shown that they will, they will play the matchups. 
Now, what's working against Chris Martin is that they have way more good left-handed relievers than right-handed relievers. So if there are good right-handed batters up in the seventh or eighth, you know, they might go to Chris Martin. But I Which think is that not the case. Like more lefties in your bullpen no, than righties is not really <laughs> not at all. Um, and that's <laughs> that, that works to Smith's favor. But but I think people are like, oh, Chris Chris Martin is like a journeyman, right? And they make right. fun of him because you know, listen, we all love Coldplay. I don't think you have to make fun of him because of his <laughs> name. You you either love Coldplay or you're a liar. Is basically where we're at right now. My daughter um, loves Coldplay. Yeah, of course, because she's a human yeah, being course, with yeah. emotions and senses. <laughs> um, but, like, Chris Martin came to the Braves in 2019, and they changed his pitch mix. He abandoned the forcing fastball, started throwing a sinker. He became a sinker slider guy as opposed to a four-seam and a cutter guy. That's a massive shift in approach. He also right. changed the shape of his slider. And not like not like a little bit. Like, his previous slider had five inches of horizontal movement. And his new slider has 14.5 inches of horizontal movement. Damn. So he went, he went from kind of like a hard, more 12-6 drop to more of a right. sweeping, you know, fully right. across the zone drop. Which, right. when you think about it, considering his other pitches are a sinker and a changeup, which fall, you know away from left-handed batters he's got that slider now that instead of going kind of more straight down goes down and in on right. left-handed batters so now he's playing opposite sides of the of the plate and that pitch was good last year he had a 182 right. batting average against on the slider and a 182 slugging percentage against on the slider um you know the slider had a uh 41.7 K rate on just the slider. Like that's a that's a good pitch for him. And I think it makes right. him a different pitcher. And I think it makes him a pitcher that, you know, at a 300 ADP, he's going pick 300. Like I'm right. going to I'm going to take that guy because I think right. he's an effective reliever even if he's not closing and I think I think that he can close too. Yeah. He had a, he had a 14.1% swinging strike rate total. He had a, you know, Alex Chamberlain does the deserved ERA. I don't know how yeah. this works. He had a deserved ERA of negative 0.17 last year. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, why that. why am I not taking that that late? Yeah. Plus, Will Smith just has always floated around, right? Like, we've heard that name so so much the last couple of years. And just never has really, like, I don't know. He had a horrible year last year. I mean, I don't know how much stock you put into last year, but – you know, if somebody's developed themselves in the way that Chris Martin has, I mean, like, you love Chris Martin. So, you know, there's got to be something there. There does have to be something there, I think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yes, to your point, uh, you know, Will Smith is not some new thing. He had one really good year for the yeah. Giants. Um, and now he's been good. I mean, as a closer, he had one really good year in 2019. Um, so, who knows? Listen, I, I think that he could definitely still get you know, 15 saves for the Braves. But I don't right. see why Chris Martin isn't also getting 10 to 15 saves on a good team. And if he's getting 10 to 15 saves and putting up that kind of new strikeout rate and, you know, helping you in the ratios, I take that that late. 
Do you think that they may start off with Will Smith to start and have Chris Martin kind of be the guy behind, obviously, be the guy behind in the case that Will Smith falters? So I think I think it depends for Chris Martin on two things. One, I think then another right-handed pitcher in the bullpen needs to step right. up. Right. So, you know, they they brought in Carl Edwards Jr., who was interesting a couple of years ago with um, the Cubs. They brought in uh, Victor Arano, who was interesting a couple of years ago with the Phillies. Uh, they mm-hmm. have Luke Jackson, who was interesting for a little bit with the Braves, and he was throwing his gyro slider and, and closing games, even though I had him on my team, and it was like a just a heart attack experience every time he was in the game. Um, you know, they brought in Nate Jones, who is 35 years old and a long time ago was interesting with the White Sox. So right. if one of those right-handed relievers can be effective and they don't need Chris Martin to face like the heart of the order of right-handed bats whenever it comes up late in the game, then yeah, I think that solidifies him even more as a committee option in the bullpen. If right. none of those guys can be impactful. Um, and I am banking on one of them being impactful, but if none of them can, then I think it hurts Chris Martin a little bit. And they, you know, he go, he is in whenever there are the middle of the order, right-handed bats at the end of the game. And if that's the seventh, it's the seventh. If it's the eighth, it's the eighth. And since we know there are more right-handed hitters than left-handed hitters, it's more often, it's more likely he would not be in at the end of games. Makes sense. Now, another yeah. another committee option or another committee, which I don't think people think is a committee, is in Cleveland. Um, and I guess I shouldn't say committee. Another uncertain closer situation, which some people don't think is uncertain, is in Cleveland. Um, everybody's in on James Karinczak. He's yeah. going 90th overall right now, ahead of Ryan Presley, ahead of Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal, ahead of Kenley Jansen. Why are you buying in on James Karinczak? Dude, guy's electric, man. 49% K rate. I mean, there has been, um, you know, some issues with fly ball. I think he's definitely gotten lucky with uh, the home run to fly ball rate being as high when he's, you know, given up fly balls. But, I mean, you're that's just nitpicking. You know, a guy who's putting up 49% K rate has definitely got closer stuff. And the other options there, like, we're going to talk about it. I mean, like, I think Karen Jack is the certified like season starting closer, and I don't think he gives up that job. I just think he's too electric. Uh, they got a projected for what 100 Ks in 61.8 innings. Uh, I mean, 3.21 ERA, 1.21 WHIP. I mean, solid. When I look at his 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 ability to strike people out, which I think is the swing and miss stuff is the most important. Right, I don't think there's anybody that kind of comes close in terms of the stuff uh, to kind of you know compete with him in that role. And I think that's where that's what the closer role is now. It's guys who can strike guys out, like you're seeing yeah. it across the uh, like that's the landscape. You're not you know you're not you don't have crafty closers like the Sergio Romos of the world don't don't keep the job. Uh, it's the guys like Jordan Hicks. It's the guys like James Karinczak. It's guys like Josh Hader. Like, those guys are closers, right, for a reason. Um, I will never fight you on he has electric stuff. I, I think that anybody who has seen him pitch 
knows that that's the case. Um, I will say there are causes for mild concern. Uh, one of which being that last year he had a 14.7% walk rate. You know, that is, that's not something that is going, I don't, I don't think that's going to go away. I think that is who he is. Now, can he get but, it under control a little bit more? Sure. I mean, yeah. in the minor leagues, but in the minor leagues, you know, in double A in 2018, he had a 24.5% walk rate. Um, in triple A in 2019, he had a 16.7% walk rate. Um, and those are small sample sizes. I mean, he's not pitching huge amount of innings on in those levels. So I think we need right. to understand that. But a guy with electric stuff and pitches that move the way that he does, he, he is not the most accurate pitcher. Um, and yeah. I think that that walk rate is a mild concern when you're talking about playing in, in close games. Um, my other concern I mean, is that – If you look at it, though, Eric, right, if he had an 18.2% uh, percent walk rate in 2019 in the rookie ball and then in AAA 16.7, 14.7 is an inc- is an improvement. Sure. He's you're a glass half um, my other my other concern is like he only has a fifteen percent ground ball rate. You talked about how he gives up a lot of contact in the air. He had a thirty one percent pop up rate last year, which is like mm-hmm. which is really high. Um, right. You don't normally see that. Now, I don't know that you know that that's gonna be consistent. Um, right. You know, a, a pitcher with a forty six point two percent fly ball rate. And only a five point six percent homer per fly ball rate. Um, I think that some of those balls, I think that some of that's going to correct. And I think you know, right. if you look again at Alex Chamberlain's um, pitcher leaderboard, Karinchak only had a two point five percent barrel rate last year, but a nine percent deserved barrel rate. So I think that there's going to be some regression to the norm with the with his overall contact. And here's the other reason why I'm a little bit concerned is. I don't think Cleveland is competing this year. Right. I think we, we understood that when they traded away Lindor, right? And we all know that small market clubs like Cleveland who are not competing are going to make decisions based on the financial incentives. The more games that Karen Chet closes, the more money he would make in arbitration when he becomes arbitration eligible. So there is an argument to be made that in a season where they are not contending – that going with a guy, going with Karinchak as the, you know, whenever we need to stop a rally, we're going to use him because he's our best reliever. And if that's in the seventh, it's in the seventh. If it's in the eighth, it's in the eighth. He's going to come in. Maybe he pitches an inning in a third. Maybe he pitches two innings, et cetera. And using a guy like Nick Wickren, who you mocked me for earlier, um, as your closer – even the name makes, sounds all Nick Wittgren. Like it sounds it like makes, some kind of Harry Potter villain. Listen, but some <laughs> of those some of those characters are phenomenal. Okay, um, <laughs> but but it 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 makes financial sense for the team, and also like, listen, he was he was good, right? He he has been relatively good for them for the last three years. Well, two years and good for Miami in two thousand eighteen. Um, you know, he, in that, and, and that's also not a fluke. I mean, he stopped throwing, uh, the slider that he threw. He's super fastball heavy, but his fastball velocity was up to 93 miles per hour. Um, and then he's a change up 
um, sorry, he stopped throwing uh, a sinker, not a slider. He's a changeup and slider guy. Um, mm -hmm. And those have been good pitches. I mean, the fastball changeup combination worked for him last year. He didn't give up a lot of hard contact. Um, the batting averages against were, and expected batting averages were low. The stat cast metrics um, supported that. He had, last year, he had a 28.6% K rate and a 6.1% walk rate. Um, so, listen, he's not Karen Shack, but with a K per nine of 10.6, he's missing bats. He can yep. close out games. He allows yep. you to use your best pitcher when you need it. And again, because yep. it's a business, he saves you money. Yeah. I yeah, I love you, bro. I do. I love you, like, from the bottom of my heart. I love you so much. But there's the – listen, I, I do still think Cleveland has always found a way to develop starting pitching, right? Like, they did it with Bieber. They did it with Clevenger. Uh, they did it with a lot of young pitchers there. They've got, you know, still got Bieber. They still have, uh, you know, Plesak, who came came at, broke out last year. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, Aaron Savali. Um, I think they'll be somewhat competitive. They're not going to be like, you know, they're not going to beat Minnesota and they're not going to win the division, but I think they'll be save opportunities there. Listen, I, and there are many people, I mean, I think the consensus, obviously, since he's going 90th overall, is that you're right and he's I'm wrong, right. um, that he's going to close. Even if he's closing, though, I don't know that I'm taking him ahead of Ryan Presley, Trevor Rosenthal. Guys, I really like on teams that are going to be better and provide more save opportunities. Um, what I will say, and we'll move to the next guy. I think people should be drafting Nick Whit Nick Whitgren at the end of drafts. He's going 392nd. Um, if you draft Karen Shack early, spend your last round pick on Nick Whitgren. Right? He's not going to yeah. cost you anything, and then you see it play out in the first couple weeks of the season, and you decide what to do. And if Nick Whitgren who's going pick again, pick 392 isn't your closer. You you get rid of him. He's he hasn't called handcuff him, baby. Handcuff him. Another guy I that like I was ex I was excited about, and now I'm not excited anymore. But I was excited about uh Craig Kimbrell. Don't and I was excited. I was excited because his ADP was like around three uh, 160, right? He was going super late. He was right. bad in 2019. And he was bad at the start of the year last year, but he allowed only two runs in his final 14 appearances last year. In September, he allowed no runs. He walked right. zero guys, and he had a strikeout rate above 50%. He had a 35.3% CSW for the entire year. He had an 18.5% barrel rate against last year, but only an 11.7% deserved barrel rate. And he had um uh 91.1 percent exit velocity against but only 85 percent on line drives and fly balls and hard ground balls don't really hurt you plus he had a 320 babbit so i was looking at it and thinking okay here's a guy who rebounded here's a guy who had a terrible year but right. even by the metrics he was unlucky mm -hmm. he found he found it. He found that old gear again in the second half of the year. The strikeout rate was awesome. Right. The batting average against, he had, and this is an, I told you he had a 320 Babin, but he still only allowed a 182 average against. 
and it was a 194 expected batting average. So he wasn't giving up hits. And we also right. already established that he's not giving up hard hit balls consistently in the air. The right. issue was that his walk rate was 17.4%. And we just talked about with Karen Chak how 14.7 isn't great. So 17.4 is not great. Right. Um, so that was the concern, but he, he, was, he righted the ship. Uh, but it got to the point where he has not looked good in the spring. And normally I don't care about pitchers not looking good in the spring. But when his manager says, quote, we need to get him in the lab. The ball just isn't coming out like it normally could. It didn't look like it had much behind it in general. Even though the radar gun said 94, 95, it wasn't as explosive as it normally is. Oof, that's brutal honesty. Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, David oh. Ross is a catcher. He knows what he's talking about, about how the pitch leaves the hand. Um, oh. I, 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 uh, yeah, I, I got to, I'm not in full avoid. Like right. I think that he's he's going to drop in drafts, and will I take a shot later on? Um, you know, he's going 153 now. If he goes closer to 200, you know, around like the Jose Leclerc area, like would I take a shot? Sure, those are those are flawed closers. You know, nobody's drafting Jose Leclerc, Amir Garrett, Joaquin Soria, um, you know, Matt Barnes, and being like nailed it. So yeah, you could take. <laughs> You could take Kimbrel, but like, but those quotes are not confidence no, inspiring. Don't, don't, don't. My man Amir Garrett, I love Amir Garrett. He's like, I wish he was in WWE. Like he would be a perfect heel. I love Amir Garrett too. I'm still back in my boy Lucas Sims. But yeah, um, yeah. that leads to our next thing. We're gonna call pitches to wrap this thing up, um, and we're gonna call pitches. We're gonna make this quick. I'm gonna throw out a bullpen situation. I'm going to give you the names that are currently being rattled around. Um, this is a little bit of a swipe uh, swipe right, swipe left situation. Is there oh. one person that you're swiping on, or are you passing on the whole situation? Oh, Jesus. So we'll start I off, didn't know that we'll was, a, I didn't know that was an option. We'll start off with the hardest one. Tampa Bay. Currently, uh, Nick Anderson, Pete Fairbanks, Diego Castillo are the common – uh, names being banded about. Is there one guy you're swiping on or are you passing on all of them? Jesus, I hate Tampa Bay and I hate the way they use their their I remember when I drafted Jose Alvarado a few years ago and it was like I thought he was a closer and it wasn't. Um I mean I went on the assumption we were picking one guy out of these situations. Uh I would if I had to pick one it would be Nick Anderson, elite swing strike rate, you know, you know, great K to walk percentage. Uh, he's got a nasty curve that generates whiffs. I mean, if I had to pick one, it would be him. Uh, and are you are you picking him, or would you rather just not pick any of them? I would not pick any of them. Yeah, um, I hear you. I'm I'm not picking Nick Anderson where he's currently going. Um, he's I mean he's actually he's dropped in recent weeks. He's going uh, 145, which is you know only seven picks ahead of our boy. Craig Kimbrell. So I'm definitely picking right. Nick Anderson over Craig Kimbrell. Okay, go, right. I'm picking I'm picking Nick Anderson if I if I already have a closer one and I just want ratios right. and strikeouts and I'm okay right. with 10 to 15 saves. Um, right. I have wound up with way more shares of Diego Castillo than Nick Anderson. So I think if That's I'm choosing here, I'm picking Diego Castillo. Castillo. Um, okay. And the reason I'm picking Diego Castillo is because he's going 280. 
Right. Um, he's going to pick 280. I still think he can get 10 saves for them. And he also will give you solid strikeouts and good ratios. And I don't have to invest a high pick. Um, I will not be investing oh, yeah. a high pick in the Tampa Bay bullpen. Uh, Philadelphia. Right, either. Uh, yep. They brought in Archie mm-hmm. Bradley. They still have Hector Neris. And you just mentioned Jose Alvarado. Yeah, Jose Alvarado, right. Yeah? Yeah, no, I'm going I'm going Archie Bradley. Oh, yeah? Why? I got, yeah, I, I just – Neris has been – you know, he's gotten progressively worse the last few years. Uh, so, so, too, has Alvarado. Um, and while, you know, Archie doesn't, you know, have the best swing and miss stuff, he was good last year. Um and he still had a better season than anyone in that pen. And he has closed somewhat for a- Arizona. Um, so I, I, if I had to take one, uh, it would definitely be Archie here out of those two, out of those three. Okay. But so I, you're going to set the trend here. But that's but my thing is we can look at every single one of these situations and be like, pass. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. thanks. And, no. and, that, and, that's where, and that's where you get where I'm going because my guy is Jose Alvarado. Right. Um, because that's a little bit of like pass. Um, right. I don't love Archie Bradley. I think he was fine as a multi-inning reliever, and I think that he, there's some value there. He's only throwing yeah. 92 right now. Right. Um, his velo is down in spring training. It's still early, so I don't care too much about it. But he's going pick 218. Um, and I just don't know that I want to. I just I don't know that I want to go that high for a guy that I'm not entirely confident in his skills. Um, Jose Alvarado is throwing 99 right now. He looks great in spring. Um, he is going pick 458, so you're getting him for free at the end of drafts. And I yeah. think that you know he actually came out and just like you said, he came out and basically said that what happened in Tampa bothered him. That he was right. told he was going to get a chance to close, then didn't get a chance to close, and he uh, basically expressed that that frustrated him. Um, he also, in 2019, had off the field issues, something with his uh, with his family that was obviously um, yeah. He I know, had him, I had him on uh, my team, and he was gone for like weeks. Right. Yes, um, and he had that issues kind of. I think, you know, weighed on him and he, he mentioned that too. So I think you've got a guy who maybe the off field stuff was way more impactful than we want to believe. Um, and we sometimes forget that these guys are human beings. Uh, and I, I'm not forgetting the 2017, 2018, you know, pitcher. And he looks like that guy in the spring. So he's dynamic. I'm not confident in the other arms and I'd rather take a end of draft flyer on Jose Alvarado. Yeah. And, and I'm not probably doing it in a 12 team league, um, but I'll do it in, in deep leagues. Um, I've got him in a a couple of drafts and holds and, you know, he helps me in ratios then in in a redraft. If I don't, if he's not doing anything, I'll cut it. Right. Uh, San Diego. Uh, We've got another multi-inning you know, reliever and Drew Pomerantz, uh, Emilio Pagan is there. Mark Melanson is now there, and oft maligned uh, Keone Kayla. Keone Kayla, uh, are you drafting? Right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Um, are you swiping right on any of those guys, or are you avoiding that whole situation? 
I mean, I like Pomerantz, right? But I just the more I think about it, like they can use him in so many different ways out of that bullpen, like in so many different situations. And Melanson has been a closer, and he wasn't terrible last year. So it's like you have he was good. A he was there. pretty good last year. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying like he he can still close, and you can that frees you up to use Pomerantz in such a different way. In so many different ways. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if I'm, I'm, if I'm searching for saves, I'm probably going to go Melanson. So who I think is going to be the more valuable real reliever, probably Pomerantz. I agree with you. If I'm drafting anybody there, I'm drafting Pomerantz, and I'm not doing it because I'm speculating on saves. I'm doing it because right. I think you know the innings um, and the ratios will right. help my team, and I will assume that I will get around 15 saves because that's a very mm-hmm. good team and they're going to win a lot of games. Um, and right. maybe I get more. Um, let's go. Next dumpster uh, fire. Yeah, let's go to Minnesota. Um, so uh, we had Rodgers for a while and everybody expected um, that Taylor Rogers was going to be the guy last year. And he kind of was, but he also split saves um, with Sergio Roma. Uh, then the Twins brought in Alex Colome. So Alex Colome, uh, Taylor Rogers, are you swiping right on any of them or passing on the whole thing? Passing on the whole thing. <laughs> it's just yeah. like Ro- Rogers could be the closer, but so like it's just so up in the air like there's so like it's you have no like there's no discernible factor here that leans one way or the other like Taylor Rogers could be the closer but Colme has been the closer and like I'm staying away I'm good I don't I don't need it I don't want it yeah I don't want it um I hear you I think that you know Colme has been a a solid closer um and that's again this is a good team so they're gonna get a lot of saves so people yep. are going to speculate on it. I'm not opposed to Alex Colomay, but right. you know he's currently going 150. Right. I just haven't been finding myself right. going there. Um, right, and, and, you know, and if, if it in my lap, with, sure. Yeah. Rogers just struggled with righties so much last year. Yeah, you know, like he had real trouble with righties. You know, and he had a 43 percent hit, like 43 hit percentage. Uh, you know, so it's like he gives up hits. He, he struggles with righties. Like, you know, Colome has closed. So it's like, uh, and, and like you said, the price isn't just worth the headache. Like, I'm not, like, unless you're going to, like a Devin, like, like what we said, it, unless you're going to really impact a category, you know, the, I, I'd be willing to pay that price. It, I'm not paying that price for someone that's going to give me a headache. Yeah. And this is another situation where, like, I think I'm more in on Taylor Rogers than I am on Alex Colme, not because I'm expecting saves, but because of where he's going in drafts right now, which is around pick 180. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I haven't found shares of him. I'm not seeking him out, but right. you know, I think he probably gets 10 saves on this team, you know, and he's a mid threes uh, ERA pitcher with a strikeout rate, you know, in the upper twenties and uh, you know, I think that his whip will fall back down to what it was like before under 1.2 and he'll help you in general with the ratios and he's going to throw, 
mid to high 60s as you know innings, which means that he is going to push, you know, a, a decent strikeout rate. I mean, we're not talking like a Devin Williams strikeout right. rate here, or you know, Hater or any of those guys like that. All right. Um, but you know, I think he gets you like 70, 80 strikeouts. Um, and that's not nothing if you have closing options ahead. Of right. You do realize that uh, this whole segment, this whole entire segment is going to give you nightmares tonight. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to do that for you. Uh, <laughs> we uh, talked about this a little bit we, before um, in St. Louis. Oh, God, are you yeah. are you in on are you in on Jordan Hicks or are you one of those you know Giovanni Gallegos believers? Do you think Alex Reyes he's going to pitch in the uh, he's going to line up in the bullpen? Dude, this is such a talented bullpen, man. All of these guys yes. are really the all of these guys are really good. Um, I do think. I was initially thinking that Giovanni Gallegos uh, would be the closer. Uh, I'm looking at, you know, he's changed his usage up his slider usage from the year before. He's throwing it more now than his fastball. Um, and he's getting a, a, a crap ton of strikeouts with it. Um, and I kind of worry about, you know, Hicks coming back was it from Tommy John, right? Like somebody, he didn't pitch all of last year. He got hurt in 2019. And the same thing with Reyes, right? Like he's so ver- he could be a versatile piece, just like Drew Pomerantz. But you know, there's some injury concern there. Seymour is also has injury history. Like a lot of these guys outside of Gallegos have you know real injury concerns. Yeah. You know? Um. So if I was looking at it, you know, the one stable force that they have could be Gallegos. And maybe you kind of just want to leave that in the closure spot so you're not it's not a revolving door. I yeah. I mean I, I hear that. I think there's there's logic to it. Weirdly, I I don't think St. Louis wants him to close because I feel like Ooh. to your point Gallegos. Gallegos. I think yeah. like, to your point, he's been their best reliever. Yeah. Like the last two years. Uh in mm-hmm. particular in 2019. I mean, he was lights out and they didn't yeah, put awesome. him in the job. Um, and part of that is another, like, he can go multiple innings. I mean, he threw 74 innings in 2019. Um, yeah. And maybe they, you know, their usage seems to suggest that that might be more valuable to them, that he can come in in uh, high leverage situations, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth innings when they really need, um, you know, to get a couple guys out. And yeah. he can get them out of a jam and he can go a couple innings, get them to the closer. And I think he's valuable there. I mean, look, in, in 2019, when he threw 74 innings, he struck out 93 guys. Um, right. And you're talking about the pitch mix change that he made, which upped his strikeout rate, which means if he can throw 60-ish innings again, and the innings counts for relievers are going to be similarly impacted like starters, right? Somebody's not going to necessarily jump from 15 to like 80 innings, but it's, right. it's, less, of a, it's less of an issue. Right. Right. Especially guys like Gallegos who have proven they can throw multiple innings over a time. So sure. Gallegos is, is valuable. I'm yeah. just, I'm in on Jordan Hicks, man. The yeah, stuff I was is gonna, electric. I was gonna, yeah. I was going to say that, you know, I was thinking about it. I was, my original thing was Gallegos, but you know, Jordan Hicks is just the, the most talented one to, to be the closer. Yeah. And All I right. think, does he last the whole year? I hope so. But yeah, again, you know, when saves are as tricky as they are, Right. Pocket the saves, right? right? If he's the closer at the beginning of the year, take the saves, pocket them, see what happens down the road. Um, right. I will say, like, I think somewhere, whether it's in St. Louis or somewhere else, 
I think Carlos Martinez ends his career as a very good closer. And that's you a love Carlos Martinez. You are so it's weird because you've got such a man crush on Carlos Martinez. It's weird because the two pitchers I've rostered the most in my like fantasy baseball career, I guess, over the last like five or six years are like Kyle Hendricks and Carlos Martinez. And you maybe wow. cannot find more opposite. Two, uh, um, I was going to say, two diametrically um, opposed pitchers. Like, yeah. so different. I, I'm, in on, I'm in on all of them. Um, like, imagine so, if Kyle Hendricks and Seymart had, like, a sitcom. Like, if they, were, if they were rapping, if they were rappers, and they were, like, no, the professor and Seymart. I'll, I'll give you a couple quick hitters. You can tell me if you agree or disagree with any of it. Um, Detroit, everybody wants to say, don't touch the Detroit situation. Because they're not good. You know what? They weren't good when when Shane Green was saving 20-plus games a year for them. There are saves to be had there. Um, I think that Gregory Soto might wind up with it. But I think they're going to give – based on spring training, I think they're going to give Joe Jimenez, Jimenez another play. shot. Uh, yeah. He was looking pretty good until his last outing, which wasn't great. But I think the relief patterns and the way they're using pitchers in the spring makes me think that they may give him at least one more chance. Oh, absolutely. He had, um, he, had great, he had a great September last year. 13 innings, one walk, 12 Ks. Uh, you know, I think he's they're, they're probably going to roll that into 2021. Uh, San Francisco, um, I really wanted it to be Reyes Maranta because I think he's really good. My boy! Um, but his velocity's but he, been down after that shoulder his velocity injury. Is yeah. That, yeah, and he hasn't been in shape. Um, it's Jake McGee right now, yeah. but Jake McGee throws one pitch and he's left-handed, um, yeah. which, you know, a... Uh, a, I mean, listen, there are pitchers, there are closers, your boy Mariano, and I'm not comparing Jake McGee to Mariano, yeah, but there yeah. are good closers who can do, who can make one pitch work. Right, I'm just right. not convinced that Jake McGee is that in the long term. Yeah. Um, I think San Francisco is a situation I'm, I'm avoiding because I have no sense of it, but I do really want to see Aaron Sanchez as their closer. I mean, because, it would be easy if Reyes Moranta was throwing 98, 99 miles an hour. Yes. I think yeah. that Aaron Sanchez has always had trouble staying healthy, but his stuff is was electric. Um, so I was way more in on Aaron Sanchez. Um, and then, the you know, apparently he was throwing 96 to 98 in the bullpen session when the Giants signed him. And I was like, love it. Lock it in. He probably won't finish the year in the rotation, but he's going to throw – he's going to be a closer throwing high 90s. And then his first outing, he was throwing apparently like 92. So 92 to 93. So did he go from 98 to 92, 93, or was was the gun at the tryout, you know, maybe – Souped up, baby. Who knows? They inflated that gun. Who knows? Uh Listen, he hit 94 in that scrimmage where he was sitting 92. So maybe, you know, maybe as he loosens up a little bit more in the spring, that below comes. Um, and then, you know, I like I like that as the closer option. And then the yeah, last one we'll get to today, uh, last year's surprise playoff team, who I don't think is making the playoffs this year. Um, everybody's in on Anthony Bass for Miami. Um, and listen, I don't necessarily dislike it, but – I'm not going there. Um, you know, I know they signed him to the deal. I know he was he was pretty good for Toronto last year, um, but pretty good in that, like, he had a 3.51 ERA. Um, his K rate is 21. 
His walk rate was nine, so he had a 12 K minus walk rate. That's not great. Um, he doesn't really miss bats. Uh, nope. He's just not a pitcher that like really inspires me to think great things about him. He's been good for the last three years, but Yimmy Garcia has been better for the last two yeah. years. And I know yep. that people want to say Yimmy Garcia hasn't done it, but he's been good for one less year than Bass, and he's been better than Bass. Um, and last year, he changed the pitch mix again, throwing the slider more. Uh, his K percentage was 31.7%. His walk rate was 8.3%. So his K minus walk was 23.3%. That's almost double what Anthony Bass's was. He's a more electric pitcher. Um, yep. And I I don't think that that's a fluke. Yep. Yo, I'm 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 picking up what you're putting down, my friend. I'm all in yeah. on Yimmy. I like Yimmy. So Anthony Bass, I, I remember when he was in San Diego as a starting pitcher. He had like I remember I picked him up and he had a few like a month or two, a few good starts. Like I can't really see him holding on to that closure shop. Yeah. Um I think that bass I think that bass flounders, Sammy. Oh, oh. <laughs> Um, and like that is a perfect, I like the play, uh, whoa, that's that a is a way perfect way to end the show because that was terrible. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> relief pitchers done and dusted. Uh, next time we talk, Sammy and I will look at some, uh, pitchers who are looking good in the spring and we're basically gonna, uh, true or false it. Do we believe in it? Do we not believe in it? Um, we'll shoot, we'll, we'll crush some dreams. We'll support some new hopes be a fun day if i can make it back from this conversation if yeah, i can I keep my my sanity intact and wake up normal you haven't woken up normal in years ages right, right. Anyway. <laughs> sammy good talk bro. always a pleasure all uh, right man all right we'll see you next time till next time Later, bro.